This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Less than half a lap to go. Cody Jockcock by five car lengths over Rick Mears. They're in the north. Short shoot. Here they come. This is the final quarter lap. John Cock maintains the lead. The voice of the 500, Paul Page. Who's going to win? Gordon John Cock off the fourth turn. Mears is right behind him. John Cock. Mears makes a draw. they come onto the main stretch. It's Mario Andretti being chased by Danny Sullivan. Sullivan darts out, pulls alongside Mario Andretti. It's a drag race down the main stretch. Can Sullivan pull Andretti into the first turn, Ron Carroll? I got him, and it is Danny Sullivan gets him. Danny Sullivan gets him. No, he's squirrely. No, he's spinning. Danny Sullivan spins, but he goes around twice and gathers it ahead. Absolutely incredible. Danny Sullivan spun in front of Mario Andretti, gathered the car back up and continues on, and Sullivan only fell back to second place. And history is matched as the twin checkered flags come out for our second four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500, Al Unser. Roberto Guerrero comes across the line, finishing 4.4 seconds back. The Penske team scores another victory. They're side by side, Emma on the inside. Goes high. They touch wheels. Oh. Al Jr. into the wall hard. Emerson Fittipaldi keeps on going. They touch wheels. Al Jr. into the wall, and Emerson Fittipaldi will lead them back to the yellow flag. One of the many, many things we love about the month of May is a good excuse to revisit classic highlights from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network, taking a turn through the 80s. We heard what from 82, 85, 87, and 89. Welcome to Trackside in May in Indianapolis, 93.5-107.5 The Fan. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Sam Rumsa, who is the uh, producer of, is that the correct term? Am, Am I... I'm not stepping on Chris Pollock's toes, am I? The producer of the IndyCar Radio Network, which you hear on this station. And I would guess for the 500, also simulcast on 93 WIBC and as many MS Communications properties as possible with wall-to-wall coverage throughout the month. And that's one of the reasons we get to do this program nightly. Jake and Mike will be here with Beyond the Bricks at 8 o'clock tonight. By the way... If you have questions about the podcast of someone else's show, I don't know. I'm not on that show. I'd ask the host of that show. So Jake is waiting your Twitter questions on where the podcast is. But Sam, you've been posting that, haven't you? It's it's on your it's on your Twitter. What is your Twitter handle? At Sam Rumpza, R-U-M-P-Z-A. And the easy way to find that is if you're in your car and you didn't have your pencil, is I retweet Sam's tweets. Each night with a link to our podcast, which you can listen to there on your desktop, or you can just go to iTunes or Spotify or the many, many other places that podcasts are available. But uh, there is a podcast, I understand. I don't know if it's on the website uh, or how that works, but the people involved in the show will have a much better chance of answering those questions than I do. I don't honestly really know much about what happens with our show, but I do look and see. If it, if it posts, and I certainly hear about it if, it if it does not, and we've had no issues of late. So that's been fantastic. Uh, where do we want to start? You know, one thing I think I might start with, feeling more and more like the month of, of May. As you know, I don't leave the house 
very often anymore. But I did see a lot of social media. There were big happenings downtown with the 500 Festival Committee kind of kicking off all the festivities today with uh, Mayor Joe Hogsett, Doug Bowles, the president of IMS. So that's always kind of makes us and, and this is important because while we think everyone in town understands what's coming up, the reality is uh, other people don't focus on this as much as we do. So we like to remind them, hey, it's it's May, and here are the specific dates and weekends and things that you can attend. Yeah, did you uh, – I don't know if it's appropriate to go through the whole list, but I would just tell you from porch parties to uh, the parade to, you know, activities around the city, I mean, it's neat, the street signs, we've talked about that uh, a little bit, and, you know, you go through town. If people don't know, uh, you can go through town and – you know, the, every driver has a street sign named for them. So if you go down what used to be Washington Street, it's now, and I don't know that one specifically. I, I should have looked up that one. Uh, but, uh, y- you know, it's there's just a driver's name on where you you would have normally had a regular street sign. And it's really cool. I've always thought that was kind of a cool thing. It just kind of mm-hmm. brings the city and the event together. The city's always been good about these type of events. They do it for the Final Four and the NCAA tournament. When the tournament was here in Mass Big Ten. Uh, yeah. last year, yeah, the, they'll have, you know, Michigan State Street and and uh, so forth, Connor Daly Street. I'm seeing photos of that. So it's it does mess with your GPS just a little bit. But uh, otherwise, it's it's <laughs> very true. cool. It's very cool. I don't know how you find Connor Daly Street on on your uh, on your GPS, but yeah, uh, eh, you know, if you end up on uh, on uh, Marcus Erickson Street, can that be bad? True, true. Yeah, that is challenging for out of towners. I don't know how that works. So you're just gonna have to trust the GPS that it will get you to where you're you're wanting to go. So we've got the mini marathon coming up this weekend. Um, I believe I signed up like in 2019 for 2020. And I think I had to sign up again. And I believe I did that. So I saw something coming into my email. It's probably too late to start training now, isn't it? But yes. So I, I did my long training run after the day after the long beach race. I went to uh, the Santa Monica beach and ran a pretty easy quarter marathon Stop for a little bit because I'm at the point of life where I'm not even sure if I'm interested in running straight 13.1. So it may be walking a couple of times. So I stopped for uh, five minutes or so and then ran a couple more miles and felt fine. I thought, all right, I'm good. And then last weekend in Plainfield, I went for a little run. And and for some reason, it's a lot harder to put the miles in than it is running next to the beach because after three miles, I'd had about enough. So we'll see how this goes. And if it's raining hard, I'm going to say I'm doubtful, uh, but but I'm I'm optimistic. So I saw Kevin Gregory's forecast that a couple of days ago, it was showing 80, 90% rain on Saturday, and that's not my game. As you know, I am very much a fair weather outdoor participant uh, because I've done it. I don't need to do it again, but I will do it because it, it makes you feel good, and, and it's, it's for a good cause, and it kind of makes you – I feel like I should. Uh, May means a lot to me, and the 500 Festival means a lot, so I want to do what I can, and I'll put some tweets out and so forth. Uh, So I I, I think I can. I don't think I can run 13.1 straight anymore, but we'll see. And so I mentioned the new T-shirts, so I was going to wear that to 
you know, if one, it, because it helps Jackson's partners, we got all the logos on there, you know, I'm about logos, but here's why I'm not sure about that because on the back, we made them up like kind of like jerseys and it's got a big IU Simon cancer logo in the back. And then it's got a big two and a Lee for Jackson. But here's the problem is I like to kind of be incognito in that I don't want everyone noticing how slow I am and how many times I'm being passed. So now everyone can basically mock me as they go by and say, Oh, there's Lee. Yeah, there's Lee getting passed by another one and another one because there's some fast people that start in the back and just run by you. So we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll see. Here's the good thing. They'll be going by so quickly. They won't have time to read it. <laughs> That's not totally true. Some just barely go by and I decide I'll, I'll, I'll run with them for a little while. And then well, I've had enough of that. I've had enough of that. I'm not doing that anymore. So well, uh, you, you do have a very I'm, colorful, I'm on... you do have a very colorful shirt. I, I do see it on. I, I was waiting for you to be able to turn around while you're talking into the mic. Like, so I don't think that... I can do that well. No, I, that doesn't do very well. Oh, yeah. It would definitely say Lee, too. Now, you know, maybe you could. Uh, pretty large. Yeah, it's pretty large. You're going to be seen from pretty much, you know, Callum Island Street. Uh, we'll be able to see yeah. you from that street. Uh, by the way, I did find Connor Daly's street, and uh, it's not Washington Street. That's Kyle Kirkwood, and we do have a couple other drivers on that street. Ed Carpenter's on that street, as he should be. Uh, and Dalton Kellett. So, you know, Washington Street's a, a busy street, and it has all your fan favorites. All right, let's talk about some things going on. Uh, story in the Indianapolis Star this morning from Nathan Brown about Kyle Kirkwood's future, which we just discussed again last night. And it, it's not breaking, it's not earth-shattering, but Kind of like what I talked about from Alexander Rossi before, it, it's one thing for us to say we think it's going to happen or even someone on a radio show to say, I expect this to happen. But when you write it down, even if it, you know, it's not, I didn't read it as a firm 100% report, but Nathan's good. And if he went to the trouble, and I'll, I'll read it exactly how he wrote it, but um, if he went to the trouble to write this down, eh, I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> so, and I point, blank ask Kyle on Friday, have you agreed to anything for next year? And he said, no. And I don't blame him for lying to me because he has to, he has to, and that's fine. I'm not offended by that at all. Now, maybe the semantics would be, well, I didn't agree to it, but uh, someone else representing me agreed to it. And I think he kind of represents himself, but you know what I'm saying? There could be some, some ways to work around that. But Nathan wrote, according to multiple series sources, plans are in place for Kirkwood to sign with Andretti Autosport in 2023, all but certainly to replace Alexander Rossi, whom the Associated Press reported last month has agreed to terms on a deal to join Aaron McLaren SP after the season. When asked to confirm the news in an exclusive interview with Indy Star, Fort replied, I'll let Kyle answer those questions. I'll let him speak to that. So, like a smart journalist, like you used to do, he leaves himself just a teeny bit of wiggle room there, right? Yeah, yeah, I like plans good. too. That's good. That's good. Yeah, plans are in place. So that means uh, plans could change. So that that is really kind of in line with what we've been saying, but Nathan is taking it a step further because I said, when you put that down, he expects that to happen, but he also understands they haven't signed. And when you haven't signed, it's not done. And it's also kind of covering everybody there. Because when you say plans are in place, if you just say, 
they've agreed to terms. Then you run the risk of getting somebody in trouble because, you know, we don't know what the Floyd contract says for what the window of opportunity is and so forth. So I, I think that's well stated and I suspect it's accurate and I suspect that's where he'll be. And as I've said before, I think that's where he's been headed. I thought that was and I, I couched it some by saying probably it was kind of wink, wink, nod, nod last fall, but didn't know it 100 percent. And if it wasn't, then Michael could still see himself in a bidding war, um, even though, you know, there's only been one result so far in four races. I still think Kyle Kirkwood is is highly coveted, but there's not that many paying seats out there. So I don't suspect he's going to find any better option than what he has with a, a place that he's familiar with, Andretti Autosport. So that's why it's going to happen. So I think plans are in place is brilliant on a couple levels. Not only does it cover yourself if they haven't signed it yet, but it also could mean they have signed it. I mean, it could be plans are in place because he has signed the deal. So if it is true that he's signed, he's he's covered. If he hasn't signed, but they've agreed to terms, he's covered. And I think going back to your point, I think plans have been in place since he went to Foyt last year. I think he didn't take that ride. He went very professionally, very quietly, if you will, meaning he went there and did his job. They they said, you know, I believe this is how the conversation went. We don't have a place for you at Andretti in 2022, but we will in 23 or we'll make room, however it mm -hmm. has to be. And let's shake hands here, go about your business, and we may even have it signed contract. Now, I don't think so, but but I think it has been long since agreed upon that that this is what would, would happen, and that's why I think plans are in place is really a brilliant way of saying it. And it could come from a couple of areas. There has still been a hope that Colton Herta is moving with Andretti to Formula One. That's not going to happen in 2023. I don't think it would happen for Arrow McLaren or for McLaren Formula One either, where he will be test driving in 2023. It's more likely for 24, uh, but the most likely was going to be the Alexander Rossi seat. And that was the original plan. That was the hope is that uh, Andretti was taking over a Formula One team. Herta was going to be the driver this year, and Kirkwood was slotting into the 26 Gainbridge car. And when that came, when that did not happen, then there were no seats left. It's what's best that's available, and and here we go. And I'm sure he was encouraged to sign a one-year contract. And also, I think they had a pretty good idea by last fall because I believe there was an option available to be executed by the driver that was not last fall. So that didn't end the chances, but at least told them, okay, he wants to explore his options. And, you know, I think as – Michael has said, maybe it's just kind of best we we shake hands and move on at this point. And that's kind of been the feeling. And that's that is where it's headed. And Kyle will be in that seat and we'll move on from there. I don't think I mentioned this last night when we were talking about uh, some some other situations. But who found this on Twitter? Andy Merrick found this on Twitter a couple of days ago from at We Are The Race. Stoffel Van Horn will drive for the new DS Penske Alliance in the 23 Formula E season as teammate to Jean-Eric Verne after his current employer, Mercedes, leaves the series. That's Jay Penske's Formula E team. He still has one, I'm guessing. It's not Roger Penske's team. So he was one of those that had been mentioned. He had tested for Errol McLaren and is one of those 
You know, I remember seeing him last fall at Laguna Seca that, and he openly said, I'm looking for a drive. My deal is up next year. I don't know what I'm doing in 2023. Now he does. It would not preclude him for being a fill-in. He could still do a partial program, but he can't do a full-time program. And formerly, he pays really well. You know, I think most drivers would probably like to do something else, but they can make more money in Formula E than they can in most entry-level IndyCar situations. So that's one to cross off the list and take off your silly season for 2023 scenario. He had almost been forgotten a little bit in the discussion. Uh, I hadn't seen, we haven't talked about him as much in, in recent weeks. And as I've watched other uh Journalist and non-journalist uh, publish, you know, ideas about what twenty three looks like. He's he's not been among the names, so I think it's uh, this kind of closes the book on that. Uh, here's something: when we're talking worldwide motorsport, the FIA president was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway yesterday and met with Roger Penske, and he posted a picture with Roger today saying that it was good to discuss areas of mutual interest. So this is not a Formula One thing. I don't believe he's the guy. Maybe he's one of the guys. But that's what? Formula One management and it's liberty. So this is more likely, and it could be a lot of things. Uh, one, it could be, hey, we like to talk to people about best practices for, for racetracks and safety and things like that. So I would guess safety would be a likely conversation that comes up and, and things along those lines. But World Endurance Championship, the series that feeds into Le Mans, I'm going to guess is a possibility. Roger Penske has been clear that he would like a sports car race. He would like an endurance sports car race. John Doonan, the president of IMSA, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but as you know, basically said, we are interested as well. But we can't add another endurance race. It's very costly for the teams. Don't just think about the number of events. Think about the hours on track. And when you have an eight-hour race, that's you know basically like two and a half race weekends. When you talk about wear and tear from a normal two-hour and 40-minute race. So unless something is going away, like you know, Daytona's not going away. Sebring's not going away. I highly doubt a successful event like Petit Le Mans is going away. I, I suppose maybe the six hours at the Glen, that is not well attended, but that's not the business model for IMSA. I'd be surprised if it's that one uh, either. Um, so where is it coming? And that might be part of this is that, well, if there's not room on the IMSA schedule, which I think there still could be, but let's at least explore opportunities for the World Endurance Championship, similar cars. I don't know. And obviously, Team Penske is involved, and there are some other American aspects. So you can still get some IndyCar drivers if you work the schedule out properly. So that's what my guess is. And maybe in some ways, it's to put a little bit of pressure on IMSA, is that uh, we'd like you to find room in our schedule because we want to have a race. Just talking out loud of where. What about a full month of May program? What about one this weekend? We'll make it difficult on my backstretch run for the mini marathon, uh, navigating race cars, but maybe one to open up 
You still run the GP the next weekend, qualifying the race. You've got four weekends. That's one scenario. Another is if you like the way the IndyCar weekend is going with NASCAR, do you have to have two road course races at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Maybe. I'm not smart enough to know whether this is the right call or not because I like what the GP has done to kind of announce your presence with authority, as I often say in the month of May, but maybe there would be something kicked around. All right. Should we just put it on the second weekend of May, make sure we have some IndyCar drivers involved in this events and maybe we can do some support series. Maybe it's a double header with IndyCar. Maybe that's the scenario involved and it's all on the same weekend. I don't know how that works with uh, a, a six, eight hour race, you know, or maybe it's the, the, what did we talk about before six hours, 42 minutes. If somebody wants to do that, I always ask, is that the number? I know it's in that range, 638, 642 from Ray Haroon's 1911 Indy 500 win. So those are the scenarios out there. I suppose it could also be in the summer uh, too, but just kind of throwing things up against the wall. And maybe it's I'm in the neighborhood. Uh, It's good to always share ideas with somebody really smart like Roger Penske and the president of the FIA getting together. So I think that's that's part of it. They were in town to uh, to speak to a, to a large group, so that that was another aspect to it. Um, now, I don't, I, you know, I'm on the inside, but I haven't been in these discussions, obviously. But but I would tell you that I find it very difficult for your first theory of running a race like May one, and then running the GP. I. I j- it's a beehive of activity at IMS right now. They're they're getting the grounds ready. They're getting you know all the infrastructure. I mean it it is all hands on deck from a facility standpoint. So the idea that you might open the door for another event seems seems unlikely just from where I sit. Secondly, I think the idea of having the IndyCar road race doesn't just announce your presence. I think it announces your presence with drivers that that the storyline is going to carry through the month of May. Yes, you could have a sports car race and you could have five or six IndyCar drivers participating, maybe as extra drivers, but I don't think that's what the purpose of, of staging yeah. it's not the same it's not the same the indycar series is here that's what that's what uh, the the road race does and then finally i would say that i think you have to look at the overall calendar and roger penske wants to maximize and and please take this with the with the spirit of which i say it he wants to maximize the facility because it's a business model you know it's a business venture and you know cramming a bunch of things in may doesn't it doesn't uh it doesn't check all the boxes it'd be much better if this was a fall event you know we're looking for something i think that that kind of balances the schedule and you can give it the proper attention that it deserves it's different it's it's uh, international, or with IMSA's case, it's it's still international, but it's a it's a world class event. And keep in mind, uh, whether you're talking about IMSA or WEC, Roger's looking for major events. He's not looking for you know, let's have a second tier sports car race, or you know, he likes big events, and so and both of those qualify. But but I would say that uh, you know it. It, it would seem to me at least it would be a pick 'em right now, whether it would be a, a, a WEC race or an IMSA race. 
I think your preference would be IMSA because it's it's more U.S. based. It's more name value, but yes. you have to also look at where Rogers' team's running. Yes, uh, in both. I think starting next year. So you, I believe so. I should know this. Um, I'm still worried about this year, but I think he's going to have programs in in both next year. But the the IMSA category in U.S. has more name recognition. It's more likely to have former IndyCar drivers for, from our perspective. Yep. Hardcore sports for, car fans might say, no, you're wrong because these are all factory drivers in WEC, but there's not. A, there's very, very few Americans, and a lot of them have never really raced much here other than some uh, in the Rolex 24. But even that, you know, now covering the Rolex 24, when I look at the roster at Le Mans, or any particular WEC race, I still see a decent amount of names, a few names that I've not seen before that haven't raced over here at all. You know, I throw out the May event because I've heard chatter about that. Not going to say it's a source of high level or anything, but it made me wonder. But I do agree with you that fall makes more sense. Spread it out. And also I would say the reality is that a sports car race, as much as I love sports car racing, isn't going to be announcing your presence with authority. It's not going to draw a big crowd. It's a different business model. It, it is a different business model, and there's still a way for that to be a good event for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but it's not going to draw a whole lot of people, and it's going to feel like a really soft opening. And when you're already going to spend the next three weeks, three weekends at the Speedway, it could make some sense to do something in the fall from that aspect. I do like um, the other thing I like about a road course race in Indy is unfortunately an awful lot of people in Indianapolis only watch IndyCar racing one time a year. They don't know that they race on road and street courses. And I still meet people every day as I explain what Jackson is doing. Well, he's running with IndyCar on the road course. What? They race, really, they race on the road course. You mean he's running the day before the Indy 500? No, road course event. So that is that helps get that word out, not only here locally, to hopefully translate a little bit nationally watching on television and so forth. Keep in mind, too, and this is something you don't see, but I see on the inside. I mean, most people in our sphere, as soon as May 1 hit, they were thinking about the Indy 500. Within the confines of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the 500 was was topic number one as of about about the moment the uh, the first IndyCar Series race got done at St. Pete. Then it was like, okay, we got the season opener rolling. Now, how many more days till the Indy 500? How many more? I mean, it's stressed every day. Down to 62. Down to 38. Down to 22. I mean, it's it is a full fledged countdown. And then also think about all the all the, I'll just call them decorations, if you will, that are all centered around, you know, posters or banners that hang on the, on the front straightaway, you know, on the, on the back of the uh, grandstands and the flags that are up, all these things are reflective of the Indy 500 or the IndyCar series being in town. I just don't know how you promote, you know, international sports car racers, on May 10th before the Indy 500, your preparations are already full, full in, in gas, so to speak. Yep. Um, Twitter questions. AJ Han one, if Kirkwood goes to Andretti, who drives the 14 and does rocket go with Kirkwood or do they stay with Foyt 
if IMS needs to have a 19, I, he says IMS needs to have a 19 hour, 11 minute sports car race. What am I missing? What's the significance of 1911? The, the first Indy 500 oh. days. Yeah, I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Yeah, that's too long. So Rocket is an AJ Foyt sponsor, and they um, Tatiana Calderon is linked to them. So if they're linked with any driver in that category, it's more likely. So I, I would hope that Rocket is staying with AJ Foyt Racing. That is their sponsor, and I would say it's way too early at this point um, to see who is going to be in that seat because available drivers are going to be gauging their success. Where are they at by the end of the year? Is it a more attractive seat than it has been in the past? And how much budget is required? If you're required to bring a significant level of budget and they have not improved results, then that's not going to be a very attractive seat. It's going to be the last, frankly, it's going to be you're there if there's no other option, if it requires full budget. If they're hiring, then you can do something like what they've done with Kyle Kirkwood and Sebastian Bourdais, and you can have some results. So I think their best platform is usually they need a driver or two bringing budget, and then they have the opportunity to hire another driver after that like they've done. And, and we all still hope and root for that team to get back where they are, and they've shown flashes. They've shown flashes, and I think they will have better days before this season is over. And even if everyone does know Kyle Kirkwood is leaving, different scenario. He can still help them um, by simply producing. He can help himself. So that team is not going to hold it against him if he indeed is headed somewhere else. And that's essentially the tone you got from Larry Foyt in that story. We knew this is short term, but we think this is still a relationship that can work out well for both of us. I agree. I agree. And you were, by the way, switching back to the uh, sports car talk. It was six hours and 42 minutes on that okay. original Indy 500. Uh, Ray Haroon won by nearly two minutes. I think it was 6.42.08 exactly. And if I would su suspect if, if an endurance race is ever held like that, I think 6.42.08 will be the distance because it's, it just fits. That'd be cool. All right, coming up in just a moment, we're going to get you some, some more details of some of the things you'll see at the Prime 47 Indy Burger Bash coming up on Monday, May 23rd at the USAC building near the corner of 16th and Georgetown. That and plenty more to come, including some of your tweets on Trackside. Hi, this is Kyle Kirkwood, and you're listening to Trackside. Trackside continues, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. It's May. We've got two IndyCar events and plenty more going on. And as we've mentioned a couple of times on the show, the return of the Burger Bash. It's now the Prime 47 Indy Burger Bash. New date, new location. Monday, May 23rd at the USAC building. Within view of the world's greatest race course, pretty much at the corner of 16th and Georgetown, or now uh, the roundabout, but the USAC parking lot uh, back on the backside. So that'd be the north side of the building. We'll be outside. That's a free event. We're selling some VIP tickets as well. And it's all to benefit the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. And we're going to have plenty of guests. We'll get into some of the uh, auction items that are going to be available to benefit the Cancer Center. And we are pleased to announce... A new portion and a new partner with the Prime 47 Indy Burger Bash. It's Hall of Fame Collection. And our friend Darren Jack 
is joining us. He's already down in South Florida for Formula One this weekend in Miami. Darren, how are you? I'm doing great, fellas. And yourself? We are good. Well, we want to let people know a little bit about what you do. You're kind of the go-to guy as far as memorabilia, and we wanted to add this uh, aspect to the Burger Bash, not only to raise money, but also just as something that is cool to look at. Maybe you're like me, and you have no spare money, but you still like seeing really uh, neat memorabilia and cool vintage stuff, and you're going to be the guy that can help us look at it and potentially take it home as well before we get into some of the items you might be able to bring just kind of explain the hall of fame collection and and how you got started in in collecting this stuff which is one of the best collections in the country if not more yeah absolutely kevin and first of all it's may so let's be excited about that and uh, <laughs> this year may is looking a little bit different you know in the united states with the Formula One race starting it off in Miami, and that's pretty exciting, um, which will obviously continue on to the Grand Prix of Indy and then Indianapolis uh, 500 qualifying before the race. So a uh, full month for me, and um, I'm on the road and uh, certainly enjoying the first part of that. And um, as far as the memorabilia goes, yeah, I just basically started out um, as a collector, started enjoying collecting the, the memorabilia, and, you know, a lot of people, a lot of collectors will relate to the things that they have access to, merchandise and the regular kind of things. I was always kind of drawn to, you know, the authentic stuff that the drivers used, you know, piece of the history and they're, they're still being created. And, um, you know, right now, today is history in, in 2022. And um, some of the artifacts that I've been able to accumulate over the years um, date back to early as 1911 which is the race one suit of Lewis Strang all the way up to 2021 champion items from Alex Pillow. What do you have from Lewis Strang? I have his, uh, have his Lewis Strang's driving suit, which is believed to be the oldest driving suit in existence that he wore when he was on the pole at the uh, 1911 Indianapolis 500. And, Kurt, this is the guy that we see in the picture, the vision, right? That's kind of looking over the the That's oval right. circle from that was circa 1908 or 1909, I assume. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lewis Strang was the first entrant for the Indianapolis 500. And that's actually how he became uh, the pole sitter. So um, it, it was pretty interesting. He was uh, driving for the Case Car Company and there was three, three entrants there with that team. And... Um, yeah, it's an amazing piece of history. I knew about this piece that was um, sold at an auction many years ago. And uh, amazingly, it came up around 2016 again at auction. I was lucky, I was lucky to acquire it and put it into my personal collection. And um, so, yeah, some of the historic pieces are, are, are really, you know, it's amazing to see that they still exist and to acquire them and add them to the collection. Um, it's always been sort of a good passion of mine and now, Obviously, I've got a good team in place, too, that we're always working to acquire more items. And from there, it basically turned into a business where, you know, people can go onto the website and buy authentic race-worn memorabilia for themselves. Um, it, it's anything as, as small as a race-worn visor up to maybe even a full-size Formula One car. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah Darren's uh, – what he has off – to offer not just to this event but just in general or hats uh helmets uh gloves uniforms 
visors, as he mentioned. Uh, he does have some cars. Uh, what what we thought would be a good for this event, and Darren, we're, this is still somewhat in flux, but Darren's going to bring a representation of some of his his uh, cool items that that Indy 500 fans can appreciate, and in some cases, he's going to have some of them available for for bidding. Uh, I know, Darren, you've got a you know you've got a a cost you've got to meet, but anything after that can be uh, you know up for discussion for the, for the IU cancer center, but just talk about just how you've been able to use, you know, events like this is not only a showcase for what's available to collectors, uh, but also, you know, how you've used your business to, uh, to help other people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love being part of these events. I mean, first and foremost, you know, I always say that I'm a race fan, you know, much like a lot of people who get into this industry. And, um, you know, I, I understand race fans very much, you know, and uh, they want to come to the races and enjoy the things. But they also, you know, they appreciate the history. They want to see these things that they, they don't get to necessarily see up close and personal. So being able to bring some of my memorabilia to events so that they can see them, uh, you know, talk to our staff who are very knowledgeable and learn about the items and maybe even, you know, pick up something for themselves for their collections too. You know, there's a lot of, um, we probably get about 5,000 visitors a day to our website that just go on there to see the stuff, to read about it and, um, you know, interact with us on social media and, and about it too. So it's kind of, it's always a pleasure. You never know what's going to come down the pipeline and uh, with these kind of events it's great because obviously there's a good cause involved too you know we get to come and donate a couple of pieces for the charity and also um you know give the fans the opportunity to take something home as well as just um, experience some cool items too many people Race. in in this Go market ahead, I, I was going to say that many people in this market would know uh, the artist ron burton who was uh, such a great artist uh, and a collector of of helmets, uh, Union Jack used to have uh, a good display of of Ron's uh, work and his his helmet collection. Darren has, I guess, let Darren explain it just how much he has of of Ron's uh, past, and uh, you share that with yeah. people as well. Yeah, Ron Burton, you know, he was a, a, a almost became pretty much a, a Speedway resident, uh, and he was originally you know, spent a lot of time out in California, moved in the mid sixties to Indianapolis and be every driver, talented artist and, and was the go-to guy for Indianapolis 500 artwork. Um, probably all the way up until sort of the mid, uh, mid two thousands. And, um, at that time he started to slow down, I suppose, like everybody does. And, um, I was fortunate to become friends with him and his family and, and lucky enough to, basically acquire his entire collection um, when he's, the time was right for him to retire. The helmet collection, you know, that was in Union Jacks um, originally was rumored to be sold to Tony Stewart. That wasn't the case. And uh, I, you know, I, I feel very uh, fortunate to have been acquire that. I kept some for myself. Uh, many of them were sold on the website. Some are still available. And the artwork, you know, we're still finding items from his collection, and, and those are going to appear as well for the first time. Some of these unique, uh, one-of-a-kind originals that Ron painted, and also some of the fantastic lithograph prints, many of which have been signed too. RacingHallOfFameCollection.com is the website if you just kind of want to take a look at some of the examples 
of some of the things that Darren has. And some of that will be at the Burger Bash. Have we decided at all how what you're going to bring? I, I know you've been kind of on the road, so this is still a work in progress. But have we pinpointed any of the types of things we might see at Prime 47 Burger Bash on the 23rd? Yeah, so we've got some neat pieces in from Alexander Rossi. We've got one of his race-worn helmets, mm -hmm. and we've got some suits. We've also been fortunate to acquire some things from Marco Andretti, including race-worn suits. Um, there's other drivers such as Marcus Ericsson that we're talking to as well, and uh, even Scott Dixon. So a lot of these drivers work, work with our company, and uh, Roman Grosjean too. We've got some of his F1 stuff, which is going to be rare in in years to come. So, um, yeah, there'll be some, some neat memorabilia as well as some of the Ron Burton prints and artwork. Um, so lot, lots of choice for everybody to come down and, um, and anything that's, you know, as affordable as, as $50 right up to, you know, you can go as high as you want. I suppose it is an auction, right? I like that. Something for everyone. We want some that, that the other folks can uh, bid on. And then there are going to be some, High-level people there that are willing to make some investments for a really cool memorabilia uh, and things like that. So you may have uh, stumbled upon Darren on television at some point. So I'm watching Martin Brundle's Gridwalk last year, uh, and it, as he's trying to navigate the celebrities, and he's probably like me, has no idea who some of these people are. He, I forget who it was. He was trying to talk to someone, and, and he, he ended up talking to you, didn't he? Yeah, it was with Trayvon Free, actually. Uh, he's an actor and director, and he happened to have his Oscar with him. We were in Mexico City, and he he came straight from New York. From He, he lent it to somebody for a music video, and he said to me, well, it's, in, it's just in my hotel room. I said, well, don't leave it there. You know, bring it to the track. We, and we decided, you know what, let's take it out on the grid. So Brundle wanted to approach him and have a chat with him about it, and then Brundle kind of decided to try and take it with him. And that's when I interjected and uh, it was a little bit comical because uh, obviously Megan the Stallion's um, bodyguard, uh, quote unquote, last the week before in Austin kind of got, yeah. gave Martin Brundle the cold shoulder. So I, I knew about that and made Martin feel a bit warm and fuzzy. So it was all in, all in good humor. Speaking of Formula One, what do you expect this weekend in Miami? There, this is one of outside of the Indy 500 and, and maybe in some ways more so because it's new and shiny, but one of the most hyped motorsports events we've had in America in many, many years, at least in our world, maybe it isn't in the mainstream sports world, but at least in the motorsports world, it is getting massive attention. You're absolutely right, Kevin. It really is. And it's, you know, obviously working with a lot of these formula one drivers myself, we have their memorabilia and stuff too. We're seeing, you know, record sales of this kind of stuff and then also just the popularity of the sport the people that are knowledgeable about it and um, you know obviously the time in the netflix series um was huge for for the american market and um so many people know about the sport now and want to be want to be able to attend i'm also seeing that you know trickle over to indycar with some growth there too um but going back to this weekend it is hugely hyped. I can tell you that, you know, a large amount of celebrities are going to be here. I even know some big names that got turned down, believe it or not, you know, such as uh, here P. Diddy couldn't even get a pass. It's a, it's pretty amazing that, you know, there's such a demand to be there now. And um, 
it's you know obviously just being involved in it and seeing it in person is going to be remarkable and i can tell you honestly though it's just getting started just wait till next year 2023 las vegas is going to be added to the calendar so that'll be three formula one races along with austin and the growth from there you know where does it go next well, let's finish up on on the burger bash and we'll kind of talk amongst ourselves here um so are we planning to put some things down on a website ahead of time or we're just going to basically display things and have a bidding process from 6 to 8:15 or 8:30 on Monday the 23rd how are we doing this kurt well we got some details to work out <laughs> uh, but they, and- let's put the pressure on kurt yeah, and and part of that's going to come from the type of 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 uh, items that we're looking at. You know, we're going to do things like uh, offer people the chance to play golf with you and me, and we're going to offer them the ch- at the Brickyard. We're going to offer them the chance to be a co-host of a radio show one night uh, in studio. So that's a unique experience. Oh, the and experience things are fine. I was thinking, I was talking about Darren's specific collection. If we're making that all, cause I, I, I can give details on other items. I do have a website set up for some of the other experiences and items, but, um, I'm not in charge yeah. of, of Darren's collection. Yeah. We'll be able to bring some to, you know, a few of them are going to be donated. We can put onto the website ahead of time. We'll also do a social media post on at Hall of Fame Collection. That's on Twitter and also on Instagram and Facebook. So we'll do a we'll do a post ahead of time to display some of the items that are going to be there, and then people will have an idea. They can also bid in person. Um, maybe some of them will be done live. But it, even more fun for the very first time, we've got our artist coming, Chuck Broad from Alabama, who's a fantastic uh, motorsport artist, and he's doing paintings of all 33 drivers. Um, all 32, we'll just, uh, we'll keep it to, uh, keep it open still there, but um, of basically all the drivers' cars for the first time ever, an original painting, and those are going to be involved in the auction as well, and the drivers have kindly agreed to sign them, so there's going to be some great chances if you're, you know, a, a fan of Callum Isla and you want his rookie painting, that's going to be available. Or if you want the Elio Castroneves painting, just in case he becomes the five-time winner, all of them will be in the correct liveries as well. So there's going to be some fantastic items. I'm excited about it. Very cool. I think simplest for this stuff is just be there and join us in person. That'll be great. And then we'll Absolutely. see if we have an opportunity to kind of include people that, because I understand out-of-towners, uh, this isn't as convenient as a carb night, but we've got other things going on at Lucas Oil Raceway, Indianapolis Raceway Park on carb night when uh, my son will be racing. So this is a great opportunity real close to the racetrack as well. And I, I would just add that, you know, we're going to share between your uh, social media accounts and mine. We'll be able to over the next week or so. I, I wanted to let Darren get through the F1 weekend before we start zeroing in on some items from his end, but from our end as well. And I say from our end, but you know, things that we come up with, we'll we'll have those on social media. You and I are both uh, large on Twitter, and Darren is is particularly strong on Instagram. So uh, w- the word will get out, and uh, we still got what three weeks. So you're going to start seeing these items appear and, and it's going to be exciting. And I think the paintings that, that Darren just referenced are going to be outstanding. I've, I've seen some, some previews of those and, and they're going to be outstanding. 
and, and some of the online items, items we're going to have benefiting the IU Simon Cancer Center. We've got a two-day Lucas Oil School of Racing Formula Car Driver School. That is worth at least $4,000. And Jackson will get you started with some sim coaching. We've got a two-seater ride at IMS from Indy Racing Experience. Uh, by the way, they're selling some some of the cars that you can drive. They've got some Indy cars for sale. I'll look that up and get some more details on that as we go forward. Some uh, events at Fast Times Indoor Karting, an opportunity for an event there, co-host the radio show like we talked about, uh, tickets with some VIP access to the Carb Night Classic at Lucas Oil IRP coming up on Friday the 27th. A bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. Those are quite pricey if you try to, to Google that and see what those cost online. About 1600 bucks is basically what those come up for. And then we've got a few other items uh, as well, like uh, autographed Simon Pagino shoes, full field T-shirt from 2013. Uh, looks like about 20 signatures on there from the 2013 IndyCar field and a lot more. The website, if you want to be a VIP and have free Prime 47 dinner and also free food and, and free drink as well. It's basicandsimple.org. Click the, click the donate page, and it's $100 per ticket. And then there's also an email on there to email the vice president of the Burger Bash, Mark Lynch, and just let him know, hey, that donation is for a VIP ticket for the Burger Bash. He will confirm that, and you'll be on a list, and you'll be sent, but set. But it's still free, and you can join us outside. And Prime 47 will be selling burgers. The uh, Indy Brew Boss is going to be selling beer and wine to everyone, and lots of cool stuff as well. And the live radio show will be there from 7 until 8, but it's 6 until 8.30 on Monday the 23rd and there is a practice that day at ims noon to two right i believe it's noon That's to right. two at ims yep at, and okay. all this is at the usac uh, across the roundabout from the administration building at ims turn one and if you have not been in the usac building if you went in there 10 or 15 years ago and you're saying really that's your VIP area? Uh-uh. You hadn't been in there for a while until we visited this week, Kurt. It was nice. They, Very nice. They redid that quite well. It is they, they use this for entertainment space all the time, and they were kind enough to donate the uh, the area to us. So we're going to celebrate what USAC is also doing race week as well. Darren's Twitter handle is, uh, so for the company, it's at HOF Collection, at HOF Collection, and then Instagram at Hall of Fame Collection, and his is at Daz underscore Jack. We mentioned the website, RacingHallOfFameCollection.com. You've, well, you've got a shop in Toronto, right? And then you've got a little place in Speedway, too, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we've got a shop in Toronto, and that's where I live. And um, it's pretty cool. So if anybody's coming up there for the race, they're always welcome to come in. And a lot of my personal collection is on display there. And then in Speedway, we have a we have an office as well, which is like a private studio, formerly formerly owned by Ron Burton. So we're still going through uh, his gems there and coming up with stuff every day. So yeah, absolutely, people can get in touch and come on by. So the Speedway is kind of by appointment only. It's not an open business. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Okay, very good. And you can but we'll always also find... be at the memorabilia show just to give that a little plug. So Friday and Friday evening and all day Saturday of the race weekend, we're going to be okay. there with 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 four tables. So it's going to we'll... be lots of cool stuff there. Yeah, we'll mention that again on uh, Prime Forty Seven Burger Bash night. All right, Darren, thank you. Enjoy Formula One this weekend. Uh, say hi to Martin for us. I will. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Kevin and Kurt. Always a pleasure.
Stay with us. We'll see what we missed coming up in just a moment on Trackside. Hi, this is Joseph Newgarden, and you're listening to Trackside. All right, we've given Kurt the rest of the night off, but I think we can handle the final segment on our own. And it is time for the Indianapolis Speedrome and Circle City Raceway News of the Day. Need more racing this month? Look no further than the Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speedrome. Powered by Lincoln Tech and Circle City Raceway, Saturday night, the Indianapolis Speedrome again features family-friendly racing action, great food, free parking, and funds topped off by the Speedrome's world-famous wild and unpredictable figure eight and the return of big wheel races for kids ages five and under for affordable family entertainment. You can't beat this deal. Adult tickets, only $10. Kids eight and under are free. Information available at speedroad.com. Admittedly, I was struggling for the news of the day. Not a lot happened today, but here's what I came up with. I looked at my Twitter mentions, and I saw on Twitter that I'm going to be on the Indy 500 broadcast on television this year. So we'll make that the news of the day. The release came out today from NBC Sports PR. No big surprises, but it confirmed uh, what the broadcast is going to look like, hosted again by the great Mike Tirico with Danica Patrick and Dale Earnhardt Jr. as well. Rutledge Wood will be a roaming reporter focusing on pre-race. The booth is the booth that we've seen throughout the season with Lee Diffie, Townsend Bell, and James Hinchcliffe making his Indy 500 broadcast debut. Marty Snyder. Dave Burns, Dylan Welch, and myself in the pits. I think this is noteworthy. Dylan and Vince Welch likely become the first father-son to be uh, Indianapolis 500 television, and maybe for that matter, even radio broadcaster. So congrats to Dylan, a local boy like myself, getting to uh, do the Indianapolis 500, and he can share the blame when the uh, visitors come in and complain about the weather. They've already noted that it's going to be 87 degrees when they come around next weekend for the IndyCar GP. So that's our news of the day. And now at Indy's Dirt Track, Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, sprint cars dominate the month of May. On Sunday the 15th, the Jonathan Bird's 410 Sprint Cars headline a full night of action along with Speed 2 Midgets, Outlaw Micros, and the Shirley Unlimited Snow Company UMP Modifieds making their season debut. And during Indy Race Week, USAC National Sprint Cars will be racing the 25th and 26th with Indy Midget Week on June 8th. Find out more at CircleCityRaceway.com. All right. Uh, so I mentioned that the Indy Racing Experience, so I looked up their Facebook, and they have a 2003 Dallara for sale And the point is, it has a Honda 3.5 liter V6 engine that can run thousands of miles without a rebuild. A vintage car requires frequent rebuilds. This was posted a couple of months ago, but it was $90,000. And you can find them on Facebook and probably other outlets, Indy Racing Experience. But I know the last time I talked to Scott Jasek, they still had that available. And that is very, very cool. On the Twitter inbox, Charlie Mack C5 uh, said he was listening from Minnesota, and he said uh, when we get to silly season, teams should think about Santino Ferrucci. Agreed. Santino Ferrucci is someone that should still be considered in the conversation, and another good Indy 500 is going to keep him in that conversation too. And John Day says, do residents of Indy seriously think the 500 is the only IndyCar race of the year? Uh, they, what I'm saying is they're not paying attention, unfortunately, for the rest of the year. And some probably do think it's the only race of the year, but there's still work to be done 
even though everyone thinks it's very indie centric. There's still work that can be done. Out of time for tonight. We're back tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Beyond the Bricks is next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.